0: reading now from the Gospel according to Luke. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her, and so, in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is not God not of the dead, but of the living. For to him all of them are alive. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Others had tried. Now it was the Sadducees' turn. Their turn to trap Jesus. They have a bold beginning. Arrogant, condescending. Teacher, let us remind you of what Moses said in case you've forgotten. As a rule, if a man dies and leaves his wife childless, his brother must marry her. Got that, Rabbi? Okay then, let's use Moses' rule to show how ridiculous is the idea of the resurrection. Here's how the scenario would play out. A man married, died, and as Moses taught, his brother married his childless widow. It happened a second time, and a third. It happened seven times, Fortunately for her, there were seven brothers, maybe not so fortunately for them, because she ran through all seven brothers. Now we're not here to investigate the causes of death, Lord, just pointing out that if there is such a thing as the resurrection, they would have a pretty complicated family reunion going on, yuck, yuck. In the Sadducees' defense, that would have been the kind of family reunion that Jerry Springer would want to host. (laughs) Since it's an extreme hypothetical, we won't get to test it out. Surely by the third brother, someone would suggest to him that he not marry that woman. Jesus points out another flaw in the argument. The Sadducees, who rely on the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, missed a reference to the resurrection. In trying to impose their own theology, they weren't willing to hear another perspective. They were so entrenched in what they had come to understand that the Pentateuch does not include a reference to the resurrection, that a resurrection is a later concept brought about by the prophets, that it's another illogical wish floating around, that they could not see that Moses, their very own Moses, was spoken to by the God of the resurrection about the resurrection within the Pentateuch. The Jerry Springer part of me, And I pray that's a really small part of me. (laughs) Wishes Jesus would have said to them, Sadducees, when you ask whose wife she will be in the resurrection, do you mean to say who will she belong to? Whose possession will she be? Do you mean to ask, How will your way of understanding the world be imposed on the world to come? Do you mean to say, Sadducee, that the kingdom of God is restricted to only what is within your world view, the one you've come to accept? There's a part of me that wanted Jesus to unleash his full arsenal on those who dismissed him, because they disagreed with him. Speaking of dismissing those with whom you disagree. I hope you're planning to vote on Tuesday. Have you been praying that Jesus would return before the election? <laughs> he had better hurry. I know those are jaded ways to think about our present political process. But there are people saying those kinds of things. There's an apocalyptic language going around these days. A lot of, shall we say, unusual comments being made this year. A telling sign that this is an atypical election is that I feel I must tell you that you are not allowed to riot if your person does not win on Tuesday. I've never felt the need to say that before. <laughs> I don't really feel the need to say that to you. But then, what are you? What I do need to say to you, because I need to hear it myself, is that we're still one country come Wednesday. Whatever happens, whoever is elected, we're still the united, united. States of America, you and I, citizens of one country, ardent Clinton supporters, ardent Trump supporters, and a whole lot of people who are neither, will still be one country. The church can help with this. We have been trying to remain one church, even when we see the world from different perspectives. For a long, long time. Even when we're passionately devoted to one teaching or to its counterpart, we have tried to remain together. It's why Jesus did not unleash his full arsenal on the Sadducees. Unfortunately, the church hasn't always modeled this behavior. We haven't always disagreed well, but we have held up the ideal, an ideal expressed in Ephesians, that there is one body, one spirit, just as we are called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and in all and through all. To which John Wesley added, if thine heart is as mine, if thou lovest God and all mankind, then give me thine hand. Maybe on Wednesday. The people of faith can help the people of our nation to grasp one another's hands in order to build a more perfect union. Maybe we can act and talk as children of the resurrection. Those people who live today in light of what will come one day. Jesus spoke of children of the resurrection. Importantly, He spoke of them before His own death and resurrection. He spoke of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, these patriarchs of the faith who came long before Jesus and he called them children of the resurrection. Jesus reminded these Sadducees of these patriarchs because God told Moses in the Pentateuch I am their God Abraham Jacob, Isaac, were long since deceased when God said that. But they were not long gone. If they were long gone, God would have said, I was their God. That's Jesus' point. What he wanted the Sadducees to hear is that, yes, the patriarch's earthly life has ended, but because their God is the God of the living, because their God had made an eternal covenant with them, because the same God can form life out of of dust, can form out of that same dust a resurrected life for eternity, they are not dead, but living. Living as children of the resurrection. And so we look to them And we look to other children of the resurrection to help us become more faithful children of the resurrection. One of the teachings of the church is that we do not have to die before we can become children of the resurrection. That eternal life can begin now. Giving our lives to Christ trusting Him as our Savior, accepting Him as our Lord, can begin the resurrected life now. What the church is saying to you is being a child of the resurrection does not have to only affect the day when you die. It can affect today and every day after. To be a child of the resurrection means we can be liberated from being children of the now. To have hope for life beyond this life means we do not have to have every desire of this life fulfilled. We do not have to have every wrong against us righted. We do not have to have every opinion that we hold affirmed. We can trust that what we need, we will have for this life and for the life to come. We can trust that healing will occur where there has been brokenness and division in this life and for the life to come. We can join hands with those who are seeking Christ and His ways, even if we aren't in full accord about how to interpret and practice those ways. Being one in Christ. Being children of the resurrection does not mean that we have to be in lockstep about every theological or political matter. But it does mean we have a common hope that one day, as Revelation puts it, we will together with those who have gone before us worship God day and night. We will hunger and thirst no more For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be our shepherd and will guide us to springs of the water of life and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We're not there yet. But God is bringing us there. Which is a comfort on days when tears fill our eyes word to the Sadducees and to us is this. God's eternal covenant is just that. Eternal. It's for this life and beyond. It affects today for us and today for those who've gone ahead of us. It inspires us to live in ways that reflect eternity, even as we live in the temporary.